0: Today is Thursday, February the 9th, 2023, and it's a great day to have a day on the Spurs Up show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet on today's show as we sit just a week away from opening day. We conclude our position unit preview series for the Yardcocks, guys, on today's show. We're talking South Carolina's outfielders entering the 2023 baseball season. Guys, I'll break down key losses, key returners, most approved, best overall. Season will be successful if, and I'll give my overall grade for the unit as well. Also, we're talking a bit of South Carolina basketball as the court Cox suffer a tough loss in Como, On Tuesday night, I'll give my biggest takeaway from the game. We'll talk player of the game and what's next for Lamont Paris' squad. Also, we got a fantastic conversation. My good friend, Dimitri Cordes of 11.7, the College Baseball Podcast, as we talk all things Yardcocks, SEC baseball, National College Baseball as a whole. Really exciting stuff, guys, here on this Thursday. And, of course, as always, it's brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. Go download the PrizePix Picks app or go to pricepicks.com and when you do, use the promo code TSUS to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Guys, Price Picks is the simplest fantasy game on the market focused around prop total entries. Here's how it works. You pick two to six players and you can win it to ten times on any entry. Prizepix has no sharks, optimizers, or mass multi-entry guys. It's literally just you against the projection. They also allow mixed sport entries. For example, you can take the over on LeBron, parlay with the under on Mahomes. They've got college sports, pro sports, and guys, of course, with the Super Bowl upcoming this weekend, you want to make sure you're playing with our friends over at PricePix. They've also got a slick easy-to-use mobile app, both on the app store google play and they're rated 4.8 stars in the app store with rave reviews guys so
1: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data
0: fans and listeners of the Spurs Up Show have made tons of money with our friends at Prize Picks, and you should as well. Go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. When you do, use that promo code TSUS to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Be sure to check them out and tell them that Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it. and girls how we feeling happy thursday hope you're all doing well chris phillips here your host of the spurs up show as always appreciate you all tuning in and of course as always we have got a jam-packed show for you. I hope you all had a fantastic week and I hope this show does find you well. No matter where you are, what you are doing, we're going to dive right into it. Before we do, though, a couple of quick housekeeping items, just a couple of quick updates and things to keep in mind. Of course, guys, if you heard me earlier this week, you already know, but no daily crow Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday of next week. Yours truly is going to be out of town. We will not be in studio, so no Daily Crow Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, guys. Of course, the rest of this week, today and tomorrow, TDC is rocking, and we will be back in studio next week, Thursday, ready to get after it as we will then sit on opening day eve, so really excited for that. On that note, though, guys, the podcast next week will drop As normal, and I'm really excited for Monday's podcast because it will be our official season preview show for South Carolina baseball. Everything from, of course, my prediction, but projected starting lineups, projected rotation, anything and everything in between, of course, top storylines, everything you can think of. We will break down the Gamecocks upcoming baseball season in its entirety, and it's one of the more exciting shows that I look forward to throughout the calendar year. Then, of course, on Thursday's podcast, it'll be our first series preview show, and we will be in full baseball mode as we count down the seconds to opening day and really get this thing going. So, again, guys, appreciate you all tuning in. I want to say thank you all so much for the continued love and support from the podcast, the live show, the merchandise social media. We've got big things in the works behind the scenes, and I cannot wait to share the good news with you all. With that being said, guys, let's go ahead and get into things. We're continuing along. We're actually concluding our position unit preview series. Our yard cocks breakdowns, if you will, come to an end today as we talk South Carolina outfielders here on today's show. And of course, guys, the reason that I group all of the outfielders together Number one, there really aren't that many. South Carolina's only got like six or seven outfielders on its roster, but it's much, much easier to break down the group and do it this way versus going left field, center field, right field. And, of course, all these guys in the outfield, they can play all the different positions. So it'd get kind of monotonous. It'd it'd be a little bit of overkill. So we are grouping all the outfielders together, and we are breaking down the outfielders on today's show. Now, when you look at the key losses, guy, I think this is where – the biggest loss of this Gamecocks ball club will be felt in Andrew Eister's departure. And you just think about the impact that Andrew Eister had over the course of his career. I mean, you look at last year, he hit 318, 10 home runs, 53 RBI. And I just really feel like a guy that as good as he was and as beloved as he was, was really underappreciated during his time in Columbia. You look at the other key losses. Most of these guys did not play a ton. Elijah Lambros, Matt Hogan, Thad Hector. I included Josiah Seitler as well because he did play some outfield. But Eister, of course, is that big loss and the hole that you've got to fill going into this season. When you look at the returners, a couple of youngsters are back. Carson Hornung. Evan Stone. Those are your two big guys that, again, were forced into action last year, I think, due to injuries and also due to them earning playing time and their skill sets as freshmen. But I know that Mark Kingston and company, they're looking for some major jumps from those guys. You also add from the transfer portal, right? We've talked a lot about these transfers. Dylan Brewer. Caleb Denny, Jacob Compton can also play outfield. We grouped him with the infielders, but he can play some outfield as well. But, of course, Brewer coming from the arch rival and Caleb Denny coming over from Oral Roberts. Those two dudes are going to be in the lineup a ton this season. Guys, let's get into most approved, best overall, and speaking of... Caleb Denny. He is our most approved heading into this season. You look at what he did last year coming from Oral Roberts, had fantastic numbers, hit 331, 11 homers, 57 RBI. And guys, the reason that I don't list him my best overall, and I do list him as the most approved player in this group is just simply because when you are making that transition again from Oral Roberts to the SEC. And I've told you guys before that I feel like at times, you know, the argument around the pitching, the pitching getting so much better that it can be it can be overstated a little bit. But I, I think there's a lot of pressure on Denny to live up to the hype, right? He's got the same pressure that all these other transfer portal guys have because that is how Mark Kingston has constructed this roster for this season. They are built to win now, they are built in a sense where they need their transfers. To come through. If all of these transfers pan out, guess what, guys? You probably had a pretty good season, especially offensively. So Caleb Denny, a guy that had a good career at Ole Roberts, can he do it for South Carolina? Can he make that transition and be a productive day-in, day out player for this ball club? I do think he's going to be in your opening day lineup. And I think if all goes according to plan, I think Caleb Denny is going to be an everyday guy for you again they loved his numbers where he's coming from they loved his performance last year let's see if he can now transition that over and become a cornerstone in this lineup when you look at best overall now this is a little bit more of a projection than based off what he did last year because my best overall is evan stone when you look at the numbers last year he hit just 184 four rbi two for three on stolen bases But when I think you factor in what he's going to bring this season at the dish while also his defense, right? His defense really – and I heard Mark Kingston say this a couple of weeks ago that, you know, when it comes to Evan Stone, his defense is so good that as long as he can hit, say, 250 or above, they're going to keep him in the lineup. That's how good he is out in center field. That's how much range he covers. Obviously, you'd like to see him take a much, much bigger jump in year two on the offensive side. But I do think right now when you factor in offensively, defensively, I think Evan Stone is your most complete outfielder. But this is one that could certainly change as we go throughout the season. Which brings me into season will be successful if, and it kind of goes to what I was just saying, the season will be successful for the Gamecocks outfielders. If Evan Stone and Carson Hornung specifically, who Mark Kingston has been singing Carson Hornung's praises all preseason long, If those two guys can make major jumps in year two of their careers in Garnet and Black, I think the rest of the outfield will take care of itself. You know, I'm not expecting crazy things from Dylan Brewer. I think he's probably going to be pretty close to the player he was at Sucks. I think he's going to continue to be that guy. I do think Caleb Denny, listen, do I think he's going to hit 331, 11 bombs? Probably not. But I do feel confident in saying that Denny will provide a very veteran bat, a productive bat for you more than more times than not but they've been preaching all preseason right all preseason long about a lot of these guys that were forced into action last year as true freshmen making major strides and major jumps in their second year Evan Stone Carson Hornung that those have got to be two of those guys that do make those major strides this season so a successful season for the Gamecocks outfielders all comes down to the strides made by Evan Stone and Carson Hornung, which leads us into the overall grade for the Gamecocks outfielders. And guys, I'll say this when I look at this group. I, I do have my concerns. I, I do, because, because you just you don't have that, that bell cow, if you will. You don't have that proven guy like you had an Andrew Eister. You don't even have like a Josiah Seitler, really. I mean, you look at Evan Stone and Carson Hornung's numbers last year, and they project well. And I think we're all confident in what they can do but you look at those numbers and you say, man, you are banking on big-time strides being made this season. Also, Caleb Denny, Dylan Brewer, these guys are still a little bit of a mystery. Jacob Compton, a little bit of a mystery. So with that being said, it's not because of a lack of talent. It's not an indictment on how I think they'll perform this year, but I'm going to give the overall grade right now for the Gamecocks outfielders at a C, which which I think is fair. And again, guys, I've told you when it comes to football, but it applies to baseball as well. We're grading as if we're comparing the Gamecocks outfielders to everyone else's outfielders in the SEC. And there's some damn good outfielders and with some damn good outfields being fielded by certain teams out there. So, you know, I think a C is fair. I think there's potential. I think there's upside, but it's just unproven it's unproven in a lot of respects. So I think there is a lot of talent here. I, I, I think that, uh, you know, it could be a very productive year for this group, but we just got to see it. We got to see a couple of things work out. So the overall grade a C, and that will do it for our breakdown of the outfielders and guys, our position unit preview series and Yardcox breakdowns, if you will, of each and every single position have finally concluded, which means opening day is just around the corner as we sit just eight days away From first pitch. Guys, from the diamond of the hardwood, let's talk South Carolina basketball. Gamecocks falling to the Missouri Tigers in a hard-fought game. 83-74 to at Mizzou Arena. South Carolina covers the spread. And my biggest takeaway, guys, is this. I do think this team is getting close. I think this team is going to run into another couple of victories, maybe one or two more wins. You look at the schedule, very favorable upcoming with Ole Miss, Vanderbilt at home, LSU, right? Some teams that are down there at the bottom with you. I do think this team is getting close to winning another game or two. Um, You know, overall, it's weird. I don't know if it's because my expectations are just so painfully low or if because they actually did play better. But it felt like this basketball team – Played a lot better. I mean, shot over 50%. Hayden Brown had 19 points. I think the turnovers are obviously still a killer. I thought Gigi Jackson, who is our player of the game, 23 points, two rebounds. I thought he absolutely responded the right way. And I tell you this, guys, and I talked about on the Daily Crow yesterday, I applaud Lamont Paris for putting his foot down and making a point when it comes to Gigi Jackson. I really do. And I think now it's something, hey, it happened. It's over. We can put it behind us and we can move on and move forward and focus on winning a couple more basketball games. When you look at what's next for this group, this weekend, Saturday, February the 11th, at Ole Miss, a 1 o'clock tip-off in Oxford, SEC Network will televise it. I forgot. I was like, where is Ole Miss again? Yeah, Oxford, Mississippi. I had a brain fart there for a second. But uh, I do think this team is getting closer, guys. I think it's going to click. I think Gigi Jackson, you need him to continue to play well. Hayden Brown also. get Michi Johnson going Um, we all know the recipe at this point, and obviously Josh Gray. But I think, again, you're going to play some teams like the Ole Misses, like the Vandys, like the LSUs, where I think the competition is much, much, much more favorable uh, than what you've been facing to this point. So, guys, that's going to do it for me. Hey, I do also want to highlight on the podcast here, uh, of course, the women take on Auburn tonight on the road. But the big one is this weekend, Sunday afternoon, at Colonial Life Arena, Dawn Staley's squad will take on the undefeated LSU Tigers. It is a one-versus-three matchup. Of course, we all feel confident in the Gamecocks getting the W, but it is going to be must-see TV as South Carolina puts their number one overall ranking on the line. And I tell you guys, if you can win this one, if you can win this one, I think wire to wire is a very, very, very real possibility, and an undefeated season is a very real possibility. As well, So guys, hey, that's going to do it all for me. Appreciate you all tuning in. Thank you all so much again for the continued love and support. I feel truly blessed to wake up every single day and do this and interact with you all. And again, we certainly feel the love on this side of things. Uh, you guys having our back and again, showing love and support from the podcast, the live show, the merch, uh, everything in between. It means the absolute world. And so again, I want to tell you how grateful I am and say thank you to each and every single one of you. TSUS would not be what it is and what it is further becoming. Without your endless love and support. Guys, that's again going to do it all for me. With that being said, don't go anywhere. We got a fantastic conversation upcoming. Guys, appreciate y'all. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday and enjoy this conversation with Dimitri Cordes of 11.7, the College Baseball Podcast. (laughs) All right, guys, joining us today on the Spurs Up show. Very excited as we sit now just single digits away from opening day. Who better to bring on the show than co-host of the 11.7, the college baseball podcast. Of course, you guys are familiar. We've had Ben Upton before. Now we bring on the other half of... Dare I say the best college baseball podcast on the internet. Dimitri Cordes. He joins us. Dimitri, what's going on, my friend? I appreciate you taking the time. Hey, Chris. Appreciate you having me, man. First time uh,
2: Ben (laughs) and I talked about how we we love your show. Um, You invited him a bunch of times. Like, when's my turn? So here we are.
0: (laughs) I apologize, man. Yeah, we had to get the other half. And again, man, as we were talking off air, you know, absolutely love Ben. Love your work as well. Love you guys because we share a same love, a similar love for college baseball. And it's really great absolutely. to uh, to chat with somebody else who loves the game as well. So without further ado, man, hey, let's go ahead and get into it. Uh, first thing before we look at this season, I just want to get your overall thoughts on South Carolina baseball, right? Because I know from you guys' vantage point, right, you, you guys are talking all of college baseball, and you do a great job because there's so many freaking teams. And I'm sure you guys have fan so base coming at you like, why aren't you talking about us? What about – it's like – do you realize how much good college baseball there is and how many teams are out there? I mean, I think I saw actually Ben today tweeting about some some tournament in like Houston or something with all these, I'm like, who are these teams? And it's like, that's a great thing. You know, so there's so many teams to keep up with. But in regards to the Gamecocks, you know, I, I still think of South kind of baseball, whether it's right, not right, whatever. I, I still think of the Gamecocks, the top five or top 10 or what have you, an elite college baseball program Back-to-back national champions in 10 and 11, went in 12. You know, of late, things have not been that way. Last year, you come off your first sub-500 season since the late 90s. Uh, I never thought with Carolina baseball we'd really enter a season where the coach was on the hot seat the way that Mark Kingston is. Um, Your overall thoughts on that team last year, again, dealt with a lot of injuries um, you know, when you come into this season, th- there's some cautious optimism. You know, your just overall thoughts of the year they had in 2022, and are you are you surprised at all with where South Carolina baseball is at this current juncture? Honestly, when you think
2: South Carolina and you think college, like the first image that pops in my head is that stadium. It's, I mean, it is elite. It's not like one of those stadiums where carries tradition. It's high end. It's, it's like it's elite the quality of the stadium, the quality of the field, when you look at it, it looks professional. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's one of the top 10, like cleanest, most professional looking atmosphere. And South Carolina, it should be a top 10 team in and out every single year. I mean, the recruiting sells itself. Mm. It's like Miami, when you talk Miami football, you talk in the 90s, to 2000s, the brand sells itself. So when you, I think South Carolina's brand as a baseball program should sell itself. So Mark Kingston really doesn't have to over-recruit to get guys that are high level, you know, maybe fringe top three round draft picks that you can get them into school. So the talent's not the problem, it's the on-field product. And we've seen it the last two years, it just hasn't come mm-hmm. to fruition.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you look at Founders Park, like you mentioned, man, one of the best ballparks in all of college baseball, I think, still. And, um, I mean, just a nightmare season last year. But the Gamecocks did not sit on their hands and just hope things would get better. They add Monty Lee, the head coach from the arch rival, which was one of the more – Interesting moves of the offseason for sure. They also had three players from that roster, and they hit the transfer portal. And I thought it was interesting, Dimitri. Actually, yesterday I was listening to a preseason press conference that Mark Kingston had, and he mentioned he talked about his good buddies with Jim Schlossnagel. He mentioned Texas A&M, the way they were able mm-hmm. to hammer the transfer portal. And it looks and sounds like South Carolina – and Mark Kingston, they really tried to adopt that same philosophy. When you just go down the list of Cassis from Vandy, you know Denny from Oral Roberts, McGillis from from Southern Miss, Southern, yeah. uh, Compton from Memphis, the list goes on and on of the guys they added, and all the Sucks transfers, like I mentioned. Uh, your thoughts on just that um, that strategy, if you will, because it, it kind of reminds me of I don't think for college baseball the transfer portals all that wild because it just reminds me of JUCO. Like Ray Tanner used to bring in JUCO guys all the time. Um, but your thoughts on that again? South Carolina adopting that philosophy that that Texas A and M found so much success with. I think
2: I think if, uh, if the way you, it depends on how you look at it. If you're looking at it just from a pure whatever standpoint, cool. You're taking things that work at other places and you're trying it. That means he's trying to find ways to win. He doesn't have an ego too big where he's like, nope, got to do it my way, my way, the the only way. I think it's really interesting he brought Monty Lee in. I mean, who wouldn't want to have a coach with that kind of tenure, that experience? I mean, he's a South Carolina guy under Tanner, so he knows how the program should operate at, at its highest standards. So the reason why I thought it was interesting was because he almost wanted to bring a guy in and be like, hey, associate head coach, recruiting guy, I need somebody next to me. I need somebody next to me to help me because, hey, as we all know, his seat's getting pretty warm. I think this year is the year, hey, you win with this. This is the team you win with. With with Sanders on on Friday night, I mean, you're looking at, I would say 70% of your Friday night game should be won with Sanders on the mound. And that's the team you win with. Can I coin flip Saturday, Sunday, that's two out of three series. So for me, Sanders, I mean, uh, Kingston's on the hot seat. Bringing Monty Lee only can help mm-hmm. him have a right-hand man to make those decisions, whether whatever the case may be. Um, as far as the philosophy goes, I don't mind it. He found something that works elsewhere. He's got a pitching staff that's really, really good. You can't waste the opportunity. You go, hey, it might hurt us next year in terms of roster experience from the younger guys not getting a lot of playing time this year, but we got to win now. You got to win now. So you go get your offensive lineup. McGillis, I love him from Southern Myth. He's a swing and a big swing and a miss guy, but he can really hit some power. He can get your doubles, extra base hit um Jonathan French is the guy that I think people might be kind of sleeping on as a catcher guy he didn't hit that much but he was a he was a dude coming out of high school he was a dude so and I'm pretty sure he's a Georgia guy so he's probably friends with Sanders and then I'm not sure about that but uh I think that kind of builds that battery mate chemistry where Friday night Sanders him lock in Mm -hmm. can make a difference so I think I like I'd like Frank to win that starting battle if he can Reach his potential a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, there's a lot to like about that team. Mm-hmm. I think there's roles that need to be embraced by certain guys that might not get the starting role in pitching, like Becker. If he can embrace a long relief role, I mean, you saw him against Texas last year. Mm-hmm. The electricity that he had that he had in that game is kind of the guy I think he can be. Starter struggle. He comes in and gives team life and hope they can still win this damn ball game.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It's little roles like that I think that really play a role. In the success of a team, embracing
0: your role. And you mentioned, Dimitri, and I, I think you were spot on with this team is built to win this year. And you mentioned like, you know, next year they might be dealing with lack of experience, or hey, they might just go to the portal again and just do this all over again. But it just goes back to your point, and you've mentioned a couple of times, and it's why I appreciate bringing you on from the national perspective is that, you know, I, I think those close to the Gamecocks, they might kind of try to dance around this, but – one of the top storylines of this season is Mark Kingston's job. I it just I don't give a damn how you spin it. You know, I was someone middle of last season that I, I was ready to move on from Mark Kingston. And while it's not one of those things that I'm leading into the season with, because honestly, Dimitri, selfishly, I love South kind of baseball. This is definitely a put up or shut up season, no doubt. And so it's one of those things where I think they knew they had to win this year. they They needed to go out and get the best possible options they could. And especially you mentioned you don't want to waste that pitching staff. Let's talk about that pitching staff. I know you just touched on it, but it sounds like to me it's going to be, of course, Sanders on Friday, Noah Hall on Saturday, who was really good in SEC play. And then Sunday is a battle between guys like Jack Mahoney, James Hicks, Eli Jerzenbeck, the true freshman out the of Charlotte. freshman they they love. They love his stuff. I think he's probably from the way they talk about him, it sounds like he's probably the next Friday night guy. And uh, you know, the bullpen is is loaded as well. You bring in Nick Proctor, the transfer from Cal, who was really good for them. It's a shame Roman Kimball from Notre Dame had Tommy John because he was gonna be electric. Um and then Ricky Will. By, the, by the way, I really like that Kimball guy. Yeah. I really dude, like yeah. him. Yeah. He, I mean, everything I heard, man, he he's, I mean, I can't wait to see him back and, and pitching next year, but, uh, again, the pitching staff is going to be the strength of this team. Uh, what do you like about it overall? And again, Will Sanders, I think he's the guy that when you talk about this pitching stat, he he's the guy you're going to spend the majority of time on. Cause he's a dude, you might look and uh, you know, very well could be a first rounder in the MLB draft. I mean, I think it's, at this point, it's almost a surefire. It's just, is he, uh, and by and by the way, you, you mentioned winning 70% of his starts. I don't know if you heard this, but Will Sanders in the baseball media day, he said his goal this year was 12 wins. 12 wins. So, so that's that'd, be, a, so that'd that's, be an impressive season. So that's what I mean. What is there? Eleven weeks to the regular season? 10, 11 weeks. Something like that. Yeah. So yeah. so let's yeah, 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 yeah. No. Well, because there there's 30 SEC games. So there yeah, are yeah, ten, 10 SEC weeks. weekends. Yeah, about thirteen or fourteen weekends in the regular season. regular. Yeah,
2: season. yeah. Because conference is about ten usually, eight yeah. to ten. Okay, so thirteen weekends. He wants 10 SEC weekends. Yeah, that means he needs to win in Hoover. Because that yeah. that means he, yeah. if, unless he wins every single start <laughs> of the regular season. <laughs> right. I mean, it's a great goal. I mean, I, hey, I, go I, for it, I'll man. This,
0: and I'll tell you this: I think for this ball club, if the Gamecocks are going to overachieve, let's say hit forty wins. I think part of that recipe is will Sanders having an all american type of campaign like you you need uh, your friday, uh, no need your friday night guy to be that dude he has to
2: be he i mean he ha- i mean we all know win over the past couple of years wins become a less special stat if you will, so if will Sanders comes out of a one one ball game through seven inning and you guys you know take the lead when he doesn't get the win it's still will it's still the will Sanders show. So, um, I, I wouldn't – I mean, if he had 12 wins, I mean, everything went his way perfectly. Right, right. And we all know that doesn't happen very often. So, um, But I think I think Sanders can be a 10-win guy this year, no doubt about it. Um, if he can save that bullpen on Fridays and save them for Saturdays, Sundays, I like South Carolina's chances to win a good majority of series. Because if he can go seven innings, you use your reliever, your eighth inning guy closer for one inning apiece, they're available Saturday or and or Sunday. And that changes everything in terms of winning a series. Um, but you mentioned Mahoney. Mahoney is the guy, if I'm I just want to make sure I'm correct. If he was hurt last year.
0: Hurt last year, tried to play in the field, was an okay yep. fielder, but he pitched as a freshman in 2021. And I can tell you, man, from seeing him in person, the stuff's electric. I mean, it's 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 95, 96 mile an hour fastball with movement, you know, a wipeout slider. I mean, and, he, and he's just a dog on the mound, bro. He's just one of those guys, ultimate competitor, loves to get after it. I mean, and, and again, you've got great stuff as well. Um, You know, I it's a battle right now for the third spot. Would not be surprised to see him there. And, and I think so. I think, he, I think he'd rival any Sunday guy in the league, honestly. Yep. I mean, I was going to keep going
2: with your topics. I was going to pull up South Carolina's yeah, yeah. schedule to have it yeah, in front of sure. me.
0: No, for sure. I mean, I, you know, I was just going to ask you next on, on the hitting side of things, man. I mean, you mentioned McGillis. I wasn't sure if you were familiar with any of the other transfer guys. And that's the big thing with South of baseball, man. I think that's where my cautious optimism comes in, is you do bring in all these guys from the portal. But this is not, Dimitri, if you look at South of baseball, if you followed for a while, this isn't the first time they've done this. I mean, no. you think of the Kevin Maddens, you think of the Dallas Beavers, you think of the Bryant Bowens. They've brought in sticks from the portal And more often than not, I mean, Brant Belt from Mizzou, I think was the one that really worked out, led you in hitting last year. But for whatever reason, under Mark Kingston, the consistent thing has been they have not been able to hit. I mean, that's just what this season is going to come down to. Nobody's denying that SEC pitching. It's elite, man. It's elite. But uh, hitting 220, it's just not going to get it done. It, It sucks
2: because we all know SEC pitching is elite. But you watch around the league, other teams are hitting. So you're like, you can't sit here and, and tell me and convince me that you can just sit on the narrative of, oh, SEC pitching is too hard to hit. Other teams are hitting. So you got to ask yourself, why aren't we hitting? Why can't we hit? What what do we need to do to be a team that can hit? And, I mean, I, I – That's I, why you I brought think, Monty Lee
0: in. And that's why you brought Monty Lee in.
2: <laughs> I, I think – I mean, Monty Lee has coached some some studs. From Charleston, South Carolina, Smoke being one of the biggest names, I think he holds to his coaching yeah. career. Um, so he knows how to hit. He knows how to communicate with guys. How to hit? Um, but like like you said, I think the hitting the transfer they brought in can can do some damage. Let's just say he hits on two out of those four or five, whatever transfers. That means you're plugging in two more guys to replace guys from last year, and I think that that's a winning formula if you can hit on two of them.
0: Mm-hmm. And they didn't lose a ton when you, when you look at the roster and really big impact guys. I mean, you lose the Isters, the Belks the world, but a lot of the other guys you lost, you know, we're, were not we're not big time impact guys. I mean, I you know, and I I love I love Colin Burgess, Burgie Barrels, but I mean, the guy hit like two o five last year at the catcher spot. I, I mean, it's not going to be hard to upgrade and enhance that position. Uh, all in all, I know you pulled up the schedule, what have you. And, I, and I'll tell you this, Demetri, even if you haven't looked at it, I think it's a pretty manageable schedule. I mean, I think the non-conference is a, about as, you know, outside of the rivalry series against the Tigers, I mean, which I think is the best rivalry in college baseball. It, it's about as manageable as you could ask for. I mean, you've got UMass Lowell in your opening three. I know Penn gave Texas a and some problems last year, but realistically, you've got Penn. Come on, and- yeah, come you got, on. You've got Bethune, Cookman. I mean, these are teams I think you should really be able to – have success, score some runs, and you look at the SEC schedule. I mean, you miss out. I think it was D1 baseball said three of the top eight in their top twenty. You miss out on three of those teams. You got LSU at home, you got Florida at home, you got Tennessee at home, right? I think the most daunting road trip is at Arkansas. You also go to Mississippi. Mississippi, Starkville. Oh, yeah, we we all know that, and I'm I'm planning on going to the dude. Cannot wait to see it. But uh, I think all in all, man, it's a schedule that sets up about as favorably as you can ask for in the SEC because we all know the depth of the SEC. It's a gauntlet every weekend, but I do think this is a schedule that sets up well. And I'm and I'm not going to ask you for a prediction, but, I mean, when you look at this team realistically, how, how do you see this Cox ball club? Because it's so funny. We've talked about all the upside and all the positives, all the great things. Everybody in the SEC is good, man. You, you can You can be 13 and 17 in the league and be a damn good ball club. It doesn't mean you are – I mean, we you know, know, we all know 15, it. 13, and fifteen is the goal, man, get to that or better. And you had a great year.
2: I think the goal should, I mean, for any team, because you never know injuries and everything. I think every go, every team initial goal should be 15 wins. That means yeah. you're 500 in the sec. You're probably, you're borderline hosting with 15 sec wins. If not, you're a, a lock two seed. So you kind of maybe get a favorable location of 15 wins in the sec. Um, but looking at it from a quick glance at Georgia, Georgia can be pretty good this year. They're not going to be a superstar team, but they're going to be a team that is better than people expect. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you get two wins in Athens, let's just say, let's just say for for starters, one win in Athens, you're one and two. That means you need to sweep Missouri, something like that. When you lose a series, you gotta make it up with one of the bad teams. You gotta sweep. You gotta sweep at home. Or on the road, depending on who you're playing. So, let's just say they sweep Missouri. So, you're sitting at four and two in the SEC. And then you go Mississippi State, let's just say one. Let's just say one. You're five and four. And then L- LSU, <laughs> like, that's where it gets tough. Right. I mean, like, you're sitting here looking, like, where do you get those 15? Hey, and, and then I think um,
0: between LSU or between Mississippi State and LSU, I think you've got North Carolina in the midweek and Charlotte. So, I mean it <laughs> uh you, yep you got Carolina yeah. Charlotte and then you got upstate who we
2: both know is not a cakewalk midweek series. Well, I mean
0: that's you look at South Carolina last year, man, that was almost more of a thorn in their side than anything. I mean, when they, they went 13 and 17 in the conference, and you know, all things considered with how bad the injuries were, like, I mean, thirteen and seventeen, it's not good by any means, but it could be a lot worse. But man, they were fourteen and eleven in the non conference. I mean, that that's I mean, they were losing midweeks to the Citadel, Presbyterian. USC Upstate, Charlotte, who I know was a good ball club, but, like, still at Founders Park, man. Like, that, I think, was more – they got swept by Clemson. That Like, that that was more of the problem, which I think that should be resolved this year because of depth. If a guy like, for example, Eli Jerzenbeck doesn't win the Sunday job, he's literally a he can win potential first-rounder one day starting on a Tuesday. Like, you, you, you should be okay, but, you know, it's – I just – you know, so I think it's crazy a year in which I think the non-conference is just as important for South Carolina because of how bad they were. Uh, you know, you, you've I mean, got to be able to pick up those midweek wins. Those are important, man. You know, it's because it feels like some gimme, but when you start losing them, it's like, wow, this really sucks. Like it, it's totally impacts your season um sec as a whole Dimitri. before i get you out of here man of course um do you guys get tired of the sec bias i I say bias but i do think the sec obviously is the best conference in all college baseball but i know you and ben love the mid-majors right ben played at mercer where did you play at mercer with him or where where did i played i was there from 11 to
2: 15 ben was there i want to say 16 17 but you did play it
0: but you did play at mercer okay all right shout out represent we never played together we never played got you got you okay okay so anyways you guys love the mid-majors though uh, do you ever do you ever get tired of talking it? Because it feels like if you're talking college baseball, you're talking SEC. And I know where you're I going feel, with this? It's just, I mean, it's it's, I mean, it's the best conference, man. It's just, it's, it's impossible not to spend the majority of the time talking about them when you look at just how many great ball clubs, how many great players there are in the, in, in the conference. And, and I'll ask you just on top of that, your overall thoughts on the SEC this year. You know, I know LSU, Tennessee, they lead the storylines. I actually listen to you guys. I believe it was you guys. I don't know if it was you or Ben that said it, but I loved what you actually said about Tennessee, where LSU getting all of the attention and spotlight yep. is going to help them so much because last year it was like all eyes were on them. And you know, I, I love Ben's hot, cold, hot theory, and they were just hot, 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 hot all the hey, time. I gotta put oh, my, hey, Hold on, I gotta put my stamp. That's me. That's I'm the hot, exactly. cold, hot okay. theory. That's well, my. You are right because I even as a Gamecock, I'll tell you, I'm. Tennessee was the best team in college baseball last year. I mean, they're one of the best college baseball teams we've ever seen. All time. All right. time. Right. And they don't even go to Omaha. So it just goes to show, like, you got to get hot. with. And, and that's what I told people all season. They're like, Chris, do you think Tennessee's going to win the national championship? I said, it's not about are they the best team in college baseball? Because they are. It's about are they playing the best baseball when it matters the most? And they didn't. And they just flat out didn't. So, again, I say all that to say your overall thoughts on the SEC, how it shakes out, is it as simple as those two at the top? I mean, who do you maybe see emerging and, and challenging them? I mean, we'd love it to be a South Carolina, but just overall thoughts on the conference. So first, let me talk about the – you brought up the whole mid-major thing. We love
2: mid-majors because we know mid-majors are good enough to win ballgames against anybody in the country. We know that. And sometimes people forget about that. They get their respect. saying, oh, my God, like you said, South Carolina losing to Presbyterian or Upstate. And we're sitting there like, dude, you can make fun of them for it if they're quote-unquote their world series Mm. it's the school that told them they weren't weren't good enough so they went to upstate they went to other schools around you know the upstate of south carolina north carolina and that's their world series they want to beat south carolina they want to beat clemson so that's why we just we just i just love the energy from coming from behind that um don't get me wrong do i want to throw on LSU South Carolina on a Saturday afternoon? Or do I want to throw on Rice State? I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to watch the Tennessee South Carolina game. Do I keep an eye on the other game? Sure. But of course, I want to tune in to the to the best of the best. I mean, that's what entertainment, that's what TV is all about. You want to watch the best. It doesn't mean I don't like the other one. It's just I don't, I crowd, nice field, best player in the country. I'm going to watch that. There's no doubt about it. Um, but as far as my thoughts on the sec this year everybody knows it lsu tennessee it's the battle of the gauntlet the, the west and the east and number one i really like florida this year and people hate florida i hate florida too
0: i'm a miami guy i, I don't like funny because they they've been down per florida standards right like like but they've been really good but I mean, the Gators, it feels like haven't been to Omaha in quite a while. And, I mean, Kevin O'Sullivan, I'm sure he wants to get one more before he, you know, I the close to hanging that's it up or leaving. But, you know, I'm sure he wants to get another one. Oh,
2: yeah. No, I mean, everybody wants another one. Right. Um, but credit to Sully. Their standard isn't a bad year missing regional. Like, that. their bad year isn't missing regional. Their bad year is getting eliminated in re- regional. Yeah. Like, that, that just goes to show you how damn good of a program he built down there. But that Florida team was young last year. A lot of good guys got experience when they never planned on getting it. I mean, they had a dude come in in the first inning in a regional game. He threw nine innings. He threw an unofficial complete game, if you remember that. Um, so I like Florida's chances. Their lineup is good. Their pitching is good. They got Waldrop from Southern Miss. Um, people are hyping him up to be better than the other guy from Southern Miss, Tanner Hall, which I don't think to be the case, but he's still – he's a prospect. He's that draft guy. Um, so, I like Florida to fight um, Tennessee for the East. Georgia is going to be deep. I think South Carolina, if they can get steal some wins early in the SEC play, they're going to be right there when it comes to end of April, early May. To be one, two games out of first, one big series, you're right there. So, um, I don't think – I think it's not really a hot take at this point, but I don't think LSU is your
0: national champion. I, I, just, I, just, don't, I just don't think so. Teams I mean, just don't go wire to wire, man. It just does not happen for whatever it reason. It doesn't happen. It's like ben, brought up a good point.
2: ben brought up a good point on our last episode talking about one guy tweaks a hamstring, one guy elbow, shoulder tightness. Sword. They're going to be sitting out because half their team is draft prospects. They're, they're not going to be a guy, hey, I'm putting this shit on the line for my team. Like, I'm 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 nobody kind of thing. They're going to take it cautious. So who knows how that works? Who knows how that works? How many guys how many games they met?
0: Dimitri, this has been a pleasure, man. You guys do a great job with 11.7. Last thing for you get it. out of here, I, I'm not going to ask you to, like, pick your national champion. Obviously, it's not LSU, but I will ask you this. Uh, <laughs> SEC or the field to win it all? Damn it, I hate this question. Because <laughs> it's so I mean, easy to say SEC, right? Like three like, in a row. We, we did, do you did, know it? what? Even as someone that loves SEC baseball, bro, we need like a Cal State Fullerton to get back. Like we need, I, I want to see like a Rice, Fullerton.
1: Yeah, like some of
0: the powers, man. The traditional, like, like where, where where you guys been? Where you been? I don't know. Um, we've been with they've been they've been figuring shit out. They've been they've been figuring <laughs> shit out, but uh
2: SEC hey, or the Kyle field.
0: Peterson, we had Kyle Peterson on. He 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 warned me about Stanford now. They're a good ball club. Stanford's a real good one. Real good. Um, So let me ask you this. Four
2: years ago, if I said, will SEC win the next four national championships, what would it, your answer have been?
0: I'd probably say realistically no. Just statistically there wouldn't have been a high probability, but, you know.
2: So realistically, right. did the SEC win again this year? No, but the probability
0: is there. It's probably gonna happen. So I I yeah, I mean it, the, the probability that there's four SEC teams in Omaha is is high. So it's like when you get that many in there, your odds of winning it all are
2: pretty damn good. So one of them's gotta end up in the national championship right. no matter what. Right, right, exactly. So um I think I think the field is just as strong as last year. But I think the SEC just had a perfect storm in terms of all these teams were separated and they all had a road, a road to Omaha. I mean, Auburn was in the North, Pacific Northwest. Ole Miss was down in Miami. They, and, you know, they all had a perfect road where so many of them could make it. So I, I think you're crazy to say the field. You're crazy to say the SEC. I think both are a crazy pick. So I'm, gonna, I'm just going to roll with the field. You know what? I'm going to roll with the field. How about a mid-major? Why not? <laughs> not even a mid-major. I think it's time for the Pac-12 or ACC school to stand up. I think it's time.
0: Yeah. Maybe a Florida so, State with, uh, with Link Jarrett now at the helm, maybe. I know. You were talking about them. Yeah. You were talking about them. I did see that. I read your article on you guys' website, which fantastic job, by the way. Hey, we've got two minutes, Dimitri. Last thing kind of off the wall. Opening weekend is eight days away from the time we drop this conversation. Uh, not an SEC series, maybe an off the wall series you're most looking forward to on opening weekend that uh, people you think should keep an eye on. Opening weekend, I mean, there's that tournament. Um, I think
2: it's the the Globe Life. I don't have it right in front of me. Um, Vanderbilt's in it with uh, <clears throat> uh Vanderbilt, TCU. Who is this? Um, but opening weekend, I mean, just off the top of my head, you got um, Vanderbilt, TCU, really good game Friday night. Texas, Texas, Gonzaga. I know it's not SEC. Um, Tennessee, Arizona, um, Arkansas, Texas. Um, there's a lot of good ball game. I mean, not all of them are series. Most of them are uh, tournaments. So but you um, know,
0: you know what'll be interesting, man, about opening weekend is there'll be some top twenty-five team that plays some no-name school you've ever heard of that loses two out of three. One hundred percent. It's inevitable. It's just. I, I, I remember a couple of years ago Georgia played. I don't even know who an Emerson Hancock, who was like all everything, just get shelled by somebody you never heard of and they lose like seven to one. You're like, what happened? But that is the beauty of college baseball. Dimitri Cordes, man. I appreciate you taking the time. to. engage. Hey, appreciate everybody. it. Chris. Check out 11.7, the college baseball podcast. Absolutely phenomenal stuff. And Dimitri, again, I know we'll be interacting a lot this college baseball season. You have been keeping the great work, man. Appreciate you. Hey, appreciate you guys. Hey, go Cox. I love it. For Dimitri Cordes, I'm Chris Soltz. We appreciate you guys tuning in, and we'll catch you next time on another episode of the Spurs Up Show.